listeners. This is Labor Know Your Rights Podcast. I'm your host, Dave. This episode is brought to you by the National League of Justice and Security Professionals, where the members come first. Contact information can be found in our show notes, including our toll-free number, where you can leave a message, ideas for future episodes, or tell us about events, campaigns, or victories in your union. Please check out Life on Record. Hey listeners, Labor Know Your Rights will be changing our host in the near future. We have a new RSS feed with a slight change in our name to Labor Know Your Rights V2 for version 2. We did this so we could check out our new host while maintaining our old host on a temporary basis. All our past episodes are available by searching for our new name, on the application you use to get our podcast now. In a couple of months, you will want to be using the new name as we will be losing the current RSS feed. I apologize for the inconvenience, but Phil, our new host, has better tools and should make our podcast better. It contains seven principal provisions. A. Guarantee of equal rights to all union members. B. Guarantee of free speech to all union members. C. A guarantee of free assembly to union members. D. A guarantee of freedom from arbitrary financial exactions. E. Provisions of right to sue the union organization by members. F. Guarantee of freedom from improper disciplinary action by unions against their members. And G. Provisions for the Secretary of Labor to protect the enumerated rights. Kennedy realized that a vital attack was in the making which would seriously alter the nature of the bill he had introduced and brought fairly unchanged to this point. He took the floor pointing out that the Bill of Rights Amendment was unnecessary as the pending bill, state law, and the Taft-Hartley Act covered this area already, a claim that is questionable. The following speakers debated over the Bill of Rights, Morse, Democrat from Oregon, Carell, Democrat from Colorado, Allot, Republican from Colorado, in opposition to the amendment, Lausch, Democrat Ohio, Holland, Democrat from Florida in favor of it. In less than one hour, Kennedy held 40 conferences on the floor. McClellan 
proposed a modification agreed to unanimously to prevent the preemption danger Kennedy had mentioned. Late in the day, Johnson proposed that the vote be taken at 6 p.m., with debate until that time evenly split. This was approved by all and both sides prepared for the showdown. Kennedy and McClellan gave their concluding arguments. In the roll call vote, the amendment was approved by a vote of 47 in favor to 46 against, with five absences. A motion was laid on the table, a proposal to reconsider this vote. The amendment nearly escaped defeat in this maneuver when 45-45 to 45 tie was broken by Vice President Nixon, voting for the Bill of Rights. The absence of five senators at the time of voting was the margin of difference between success and defeat for the McClellan Bill of Rights. Senator Douglas, Democrat from Illinois, and Humphrey, Democrat from Minnesota, had they been present would surely have influenced the outcome in the other direction. Humphrey was absent on a speaking tour in Oregon. When he heard of the development in Washington, he rushed back too late, as it turned out, to fix the damage for Kennedy. After this vote, the Senate recessed until 10 a.m. on April 23rd. Senator Kennedy, having suffered the first serious setback in passing a moderate labor reform bill. On Thursday, Senator Goldwater opened the day's consideration of the bill by calling up his amendment for a definition of a labor organization. Candy's staff conferred with Goldwater's on the question and agreed to a compromise, which was proposed by Kennedy as an amendment to the Goldwater Amendment and adopted without difficulty by the Senate. Senator McClellan called up the next in his series of amendments, this one designed to strengthen the provision for reporting requirements for employers hiring labor consultants. Kennedy had some ideas to offer on this amendment. During delays calling a quorum, McClellan and Kennedy worked out a substitute amendment which both endorsed and which was approved by the Senate without debate. Senator Dodd offered a brief amendment which would require union organizations to notify their members in writing of elections to be held. Kennedy opposed this proposal, citing the costs involved and the adequate nature of other means of notification. The Dodd Amendment was adopted, however, by a voice vote. Goldwater called up his Nixon Amendment, allowing union members access to union records. Again, Kennedy spoke in opposition to the proposal on the basis that it would permit undue harassment of unions by dissatisfied individuals. Kennedy threatened to request a vote on the amendment, a threat quickly accepted by Goldwater, who himself made the request. Majority Leader Johnson then rose to offer a proposal that debate on all amendments to S-1555 be limited to one hour and to be evenly divided between the opposing forces and limited to three hours in total. During the above speech, Kennedy and Goldwater met to seek a compromise on the Goldwater Union Records Access Amendment. And when Johnson had finished speaking, Goldwater offered a modification of his amendments limiting access to records to those who could show cause for the request. Goldwater also removed his request for a vote. 
and the Senate approved the modified amendment without further debate. Senator McClellan then called up his amendment with the establishment of a fiduciary relationship between union officials and union funds. There was no real opposition to this amendment, and after a short discussion of its meaning, it was adopted by voice vote. McClellan was a co-sponsor of the next amendment, offered by Senator Javits, and also co-sponsored by Senators Prouty and Allot. This specified the method of recovery of misappropriated union funds and was adopted without debate. Another amendment correcting some unclear language was offered by McClellan and adopted without discussion, and then Senator Candy proposed an amendment with McClellan and adopted without discussion, and then Senator Kennedy proposed an amendment with McClellan to make shakedown picketing penalties of the Kennedy-Urban Bill similar to those prescribed in the Hobbs Act. McClellan remarked prior to the vote that he was reserving the right to go further than this amendment did in dealing with organizational and recognitional picketing. This was unanimously adopted. By this time, Kennedy knew that the Senate was in the mood to modify his bill, making it much harder on labor than he had intended. He knew he had a choice of fighting these modifications on his labor record and the bill failing to pass, or he could try to limit the worst of amendments. It was important to Kennedy to get a bill with his name on it, yet not too tough of a bill that the labor movement would have nothing to do with him. Senator Case, a Republican from New Jersey, called up his spending amendment, which provided that the NLRB would decide which striking employees might vote in a representation election. Candy clarified its meaning and endorsed it. The Senate passed it without further discussion. Goldwater's next amendment was to strike out the $250 minimum requirement for loan reporting by unions to their officers and employees. Candy and Goldwater carried the debate on the question and Kennedy was once again adamant in opposition to Goldwater's proposal. This amendment was rejected by the Senate by vote. Encouraged, Kennedy also refused to compromise on the next question, an amendment offered by Senator Curtis, a Republican from Nebraska, providing heavy penalties for depriving union members of their rights. Kennedy's position was that this was already covered in the bill as amended and the Senate rejected the Curtis Amendment. Goldwater returned to the fray with another amendment, this one defining a secret ballot. Kennedy requested a quorum call and conferred with Goldwater on language of his amendment. Goldwater offered substitute language. Another quorum call conference was held and the amendment was further modified. Kennedy then endorsed the amendment as modified, and it was passed by the Senate. Senator Allot then called up his amendment dealing with one of the key questions in the whole labor reform debate, that of no man's land. His proposal would allow state courts or agencies to assume jurisdiction in cases declined by the NLRB. Allot withdrew his amendment in favor of Senator McClellan's amendment on the same subject. 
and he and Senator Curtis co-sponsored the McClellan proposal, which Alec termed better than his own. Kennedy yielded 15 minutes of debate time to Senator Morse, who attacked the Allot Amendment. Kennedy spoke briefly against the amendment, confident that he had the votes to defeat it. The vote was 39-4 to 52 against. Kennedy then accepted two McClellan amendments, the first requiring that copies of CBAs affecting union members be provided to them, and the second prohibiting criminals from holding union office for five years from the date of conviction, and eliminating from the bill the provision that the Secretary of Labor shall determine whether a man is fit for union office. Both amendments passed without opposition following Kennedy's acceptance of them. Kennedy then enthusiastically approved an amendment offered by Senator Gore of Tennessee to outlaw hot cargo agreements between common carriers and labor organizations. This proposal involved another crucial issue in the labor reform debate, but the Gore Amendment limiting applicability to common carriers was acceptable to Kennedy because it would hurt only the Teamsters Union. Kennedy accepted this limitation as he feared that the hot cargo prohibition would be placed in the bill with blanket coverage, a possibility he hoped to circumvent in Gore's amendment. McClellan suggested to Gore that language be inserted in his amendment which would prohibit common carriers from ceasing to do business with any other employers as a result of the hot cargo practice. Gore accepted the suggestion and the amendment, so modified, was adopted. Goldwater's next amendment provided that practicing attorneys need not report any confidential, lawful information under the reporting requirements placed on labor consultants and employers. Kennedy agreed to the proposal, and it was adopted. At 9.02 p.m., Johnson moved for adjournment until 10 a.m. the next day, promising a Saturday session if the bill was not disposed of on Friday. Senator Newberger, Democrat from Oregon, was temporarily in the presiding officer's chair when the Senate resumed consideration of the Kennedy-Irvin bill on Friday morning. Senator Case opened the debate by proposing his amendment to withdraw from the Secretary of Labor discretion in permitting small unions of certain classes to be exempt from the reporting requirements of the bill. Kennedy spoke briefly in opposition and it was rejected. Next came two amendments dealing with no man's land. Senator Cooper offered an amendment at Kennedy's instance to which a substitute was offered by Senator Prouty. Prouty called it a compromise between the defeated McClellan Amendment and Cooper's position. The Prouty Amendment was voted on first, which was defeated by 44 to 53 against. Next, Cooper's Amendment, 78-4 to 15 against. The next two amendments offered by Senator Urban and McClellan dealing with the restrictions to be placed on the union practice of organizational picketing. Kennedy opposed both amendments, he said, because the sweatshops of the garment industry were included. The vote was 25 for the Urban Amendment to 67, 39 for the McClellan Amendment to 59 against. 
Two more McClellan amendments were considered next. The first required union officers to be bonded. Kennedy had already agreed to this in conference and it was adopted without opposition. The second dealt with the secondary boycott, a key issue and intended to fill in the gap in the Taft-Hartley Act regarding secondary boycotts, which although prescribed in that law were still in existence because of difficulties in definition and enforcement. Kennedy spoke in opposition to this amendment. He felt that the hot cargo amendment already passed was sufficient to deal with the secondary boycott problem. Goldwater and McClellan pressed hard for votes on this issue and was close to securing adoption. 41 yeas to 50 nays. Senator Keating, Democrat from New York, offered a substitute for an earlier amendment on forced picketing by Senator Prouty, which had been laid aside. Prouty accepted the Keating substitute, and the vote on both amendments was taken as one vote, 86 in favor to four against. It was past the dinner hour, and the members were tired of the debate. Senator Dodd put forth his amendment providing for recourse by local union organizations to the Secretary of Labor when trusteeships were ordered by the national or international union. As Senator Clark spoke in opposition to the amendment, there were repeated shouts of vote from the chamber. As others rose to speak on the amendment, there were further calls for a vote. And when the vote was taken, it resulted in another close win by Kennedy's position in opposition to the amendment, 41 in favor to 51 against. Senator Morse suggested a minor change in wording in one section of the bill accepted by Kennedy, and it was adopted by vote. He then offered a series of amendments, all dealing with the procedural and administrative questions raised by the bill. There was a minimum of discussion by other senators on these amendments, which were not important to the meaning of the bill. Some were accepted, while others rejected. Senator Eastland, Democrat, Mississippi, then offered an amendment providing for secret ballot prior to strikes. Kennedy spoke against the proposal, declaring it would conditions by removing union discretion as to whether to strike or not and would prevent settling a strike threat by bargaining. Kennedy pointed out that the same provision was defeated at the time of the Taft-Hartley debate, that it was defeated again in last year's consideration of the Kennedy-Ives bill, and that Secretary of Labor Mitchell opposed it. It was defeated 28-4 to 60 nays. Senator McCarthy, Democrat from Minnesota, had an amendment to permit unions to pay for legal defenses of officials, but not for fines imposed, was modified at the suggestion of Kennedy, who then approved it, and then withdrew his approval after further discussion. Only seven members voted for the amendment. Senator Cachel, Republican, California, then offered a Bill of Rights amendment written in conjunction with Kennedy and other Republican senators, co-sponsored by Senators Anderson, Democrat, New Mexico, Clark, Democrat, Pennsylvania, Church, Democrat, Idaho, Newberger, Democrat, Oregon, Gore, Democrat, Tennessee, Cooper, Republican from Kentucky, Jabbitz, Republican from New York, and Aiken, Republican from Vermont. Because of the late hour 
An argument arose over adjournment. The amendment was ordered to be printed and lay on the table, and the tired senators adjourned until Saturday. On Saturday, April 25, 1959, Kuchel continued his discussion of the Bill of Rights Amendment. This amendment was very similar to the McClellan Amendment and only accomplished two changes. First, to remove from the Secretary of Labor the power conferred in the bill to seek injunctions when a union member's rights had allegedly been violated and instead to provide that the member should seek appropriate relief in federal court. And secondly, to alter the provision regarding availability of union membership lists to prevent idle curiosity from being exercised. It was approved with ease, 77-4 to 14 against. The Senate then disposed of the remaining pending amendments. A. Javits Amendment requiring equal use by candidates for union office of all membership lists was adopted without opposition. B. Smathers Amendment strengthening Gore's Hot Cargo Amendment was adopted without opposition. C. The Curtis Republican from Nebraska Amendment requiring mailing of a primary ballot to each member to his home in union elections with the two highest candidates to compete in a final election was rejected in a voice vote. D. The Muntz Republican from South Dakota Amendment concerning obtaining an honest count in union elections was adopted after a compromise modification agreed to by Munt and Kennedy. E. Minor amendments by Irvin, two by Munts, and one by Kennedy were all adopted. No further amendments were offered and the bill was ordered engrossed for its third reading. Goldwater spoke against the bill, describing it as a flea bite to a bull elephant, and when Senator Capert Republican from Indiana entered remarks regarding what had and had not been accomplished in the bill. The senators began to shout for the vote. Dirksen closed the speaking with his remarks in favor of the bill as well as his comments pointing out its shortcomings. The final vote was almost unanimously for the bill with only Goldwater in opposition. The Senate adjourned after the vote. Please share this podcast with your family and friends. If you like our podcast, please rate us on iTunes. It helps others find us. If you would like to contact us, we have various ways to do so in our show notes, along with contact information for the National League of Justice and Security Professionals. Thank you for listening.